Welcome to Strong Not Starving, my name's Marcus Kane, and if you want to beat binge eating and create a rewarding dynamic with food, exercise, and body image, you're in the right place. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. This is the 100th episode of this podcast, and I'm going to celebrate by sharing with you three of the biggest lessons I've learned since starting this in 2021. I'm also going to unpack something super important that came up in a coaching session with our friend Aaron in January about how to reconcile the following paradox. So how do we regulate our consumption, like happily regulate our consumption of certain foods that we can really easily overeat without being restrictive, right? So there are some foods that when we eat them, they seem to just make us want more. So how do we reconcile that with the whole food freedom thing? If we want to be able to eat any food in moderation, how do we do that when some foods are just made to be overconsumed? And that's the reality, right? Some of these foods that are made by certain companies, let's not kid ourselves. Like we want to practice the whole food freedom thing and all that stuff. But really, some of these foods are just made to be hyper palatable. They are made to make us just want more. So how do we navigate this? Because, hey, I'm down for the whole food freedom thing, but I don't think anyone in their right mind is saying that it's a good idea for us to put away a block of chocolate and then follow it with a big bag of chips. So how do we do both? How do we practice having a chilled out relationship with food that's not restrictive without needing to summon all the willpower on earth every time we want to draw that line at like a happy number of cookies rather than a full packet? So we'll be diving into that in the second half of this episode. Now, quickly, before I continue, during March, I'm going to be preparing for something super cool that I've been asked to collaborate on. And because of this, These last weeks of February will be the final chance to book one-to-one coaching with me for a while. Things will continue as usual for everyone who's already working with me, but as of March, I won't be taking on any new people for a while. I'm not sure exactly how long this will be for. That's going to depend on how much this new collaboration requires of me, but heads up, I have a couple of spaces available in my one-to-one diary for coaching. And if you've ever thought about reaching out, now is a good time. The online course content library will be expanding. I have a couple of different one-to-one coaching packs to offer. And if you want to say goodbye to binge eating while creating the fittest, healthiest version of yourself, book a free call with me by following the link in the episode description. And with that said, here we go. These are the three biggest things that I've learned since creating this podcast, since showing up in this space, on this podcast, on this platform. And these are things that people often, I don't want to say get wrong, but these are the things that people often stumble over. These are really frequent and common stumbling blocks that come up in conversations and in the early days of one-to-one coaching as we're kind of untying the knots uh, in the name of moving forward. So number one, Knowing why we might be running into issues with food and body image is important. So, you know, knowing our history and what experiences we might have had that led us down this path. So the self-awareness piece, peace, 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 the self-awareness piece, right? And knowing ourselves, that is essential. And, and at the same time, there is a point where you really know enough and it's just time to start practicing the necessary skills. This is that whole balance of overanalyzing 
and making it this continuous intellectual experience versus just going, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about anything deep. I just want to put it all aside and create new neural pathways and, and not, not think about anything. I don't want to know about it. I, I just, I just want to move forward. Those are two extremes on opposite ends of a spectrum. And what we need to do is build enough self-awareness and knowledge about our history and ourselves to be able to respond to ourselves effectively when we're feeling distress or when something might not be going so well, while at the same time, not getting stuck in endless loops of self fucking analysis. Like if you've been listening to this podcast for a really long time, you'll know that two friends of mine seem to be on opposite ends of, of those kind of, uh, of that spectrum. Like I'm good friends with Catherine Hansen from Brain Over Binge and also very good friends with Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, a psychoanalyst who's based over in California. Now, if you don't really pay attention to what these two people are saying, it could be very, very easy to think that they're saying the opposite thing. But when you know these two people and you talk to them, and really understand what it is that they're saying, there is much more overlap than you might think. Catherine is not saying you need to not be self-aware and not know anything about yourself and just practice dismissing the urge to binge. No, Catherine is an advocate of self-awareness, right? And Dr. Nina, she is not saying you need to analyze yourself just so deeply to the point where it's this never-ending process and then, you know, you never put anything practical into action and it's just this never-ending series of conversations and self-discovery. No, Dr. Nina is a very, very practical person. She will talk about, you know, this is what we need to know about ourselves. These are the things we need to be aware of so that we can put practical steps into action. So this is really important. It is possible to just intellectualize this process over and over and over again, and then never actually put anything into practice when it comes to breaking the cycles of binge eating, disordered eating. It's also possible to engage in just trying to white knuckle our way through putting things into action without being able to respond to our own emotions, our own experiences. So these are two things, like I said, that exist on opposite ends of the spectrum. Ideally, we want to be right in the fucking middle. We want to do the work and do the self-discovery to cultivate that self-awareness and then be able to recognize when we know enough, we don't need to keep digging and it's just time to get rubber meeting road and start practicing skills. Finding a constructive place here with that is something that I see people stumbling over time and time and time again. And if I may say so myself, this is something that I feel particularly confident with, particularly strong with as a coach. Recognizing this point where it's like, okay, we know enough. Stop digging. Now it's time to just put some things into practice. And at the same time, for other people knowing when the other side of things is going on, knowing when it's a little bit more like, okay, you might just be trying to white knuckle it through some things that might need to be acknowledged and responded to some feelings, some emotions, whatever it might be. We need to be able to meet those compassionately rather than just trying to sweep them all under the rug. In short, 
the balance between overanalyzing on one end of the scale and suppression on the other end of the scale or denial is very real. We need to meet those two things in the middle and find a constructive place. Number two, being honest with yourself and self-aware is the cornerstone to everything when it comes to absorbing information, listening to information, taking information in and knowing what applies to you, in what way something might apply to you and which things don't apply to you or which things aren't going to help you. Like a piece of advice that might help one person will be without a doubt absolutely detrimental to another if used in the wrong situation or out of context. A personal example that I'm going to dive into in another part of this episode later is a a deal that I make with myself surrounding chips, right? I know that if I open a bag of chips when I'm really hungry, that's not going to do me any favors. I know that my best chance of being able to enjoy all food groups and all these different things while feeling good is to make sure that before I reach for things like chips or licorice or whatever it might be, I eat something nourishing first to use physical hunger cues to kind of get a gauge on, okay, what's the most appropriate thing going to be for me at this time? And then look at situations that might require different choices. Like, you know, am I out for dinner with my wife? Am I like, what? you know, looking at the nuance of all these situations. But if I was to go out there and just say without any context, okay, before you eat any like fun foods, you have to eat something nourishing first. For some people, that's just going to reinforce some really toxic diet culture shit. So this is where we need to be really self-aware. We need to be able to look at different points, at different things, at different pieces of advice with nuance and be able to actually say, okay, is this going to help me in this situation? Do I feel like this is something that serves me? Like, where am I on this journey? And again, this is one of the reasons why one-to-one support and some coaching is kind of important. It helps us to understand where we are on this journey because there's plenty of like free information out there. This podcast is full of free information, but depending on where you are on your journey, which pieces of advice become more or less relevant, like that's going to be important to know. So being really honest with yourself and self-aware surrounding where you are on the journey and what piece of advice or what practical step might be relevant to where you're at right now, knowing this is essential because if we just indiscriminately take in information from the wellness space, even the eating disorder informed space, without taking that into account, without taking where you're at into account, we can still stumble. We can still create difficult situations for ourselves. So this is point number two. Know yourself well enough to know which pieces of advice, which steps, which bits of information are going to genuinely help you the most. Get really good at filtering information so that you can take what you need, take what's good for you and leave what isn't. And that brings us really nicely into point number three, this lesson number three, which has been driven home for me recently in a a very, very real way. 
the online wellness space isn't about wellness anymore. It's about creating divisive content and generating engagement as an avenue to drive profits. Some of you may have noticed if you follow me on Instagram that over the last month or two or last couple of months, my Instagram has not received the lion's share of my attention, right? I've still shown up like three times a week and in stories and creating posts and everything like that. But I haven't been doing like the daily videos and kind of daily posts that you would have seen uh, during certain periods of time, maybe last year. And this is because it's becoming more and more obvious to me the state of the wellness space, like these massive platforms that clearly aren't prioritizing the promotion of helpful information. They are prioritizing the release of divisive, polarizing content that simply drives engagement, like spaces that will provide a platform to one quote expert one week and then a different one the following week, both of whom completely contradict each other. This is not in the name of providing like a nice spread of helpful information and diversity in opinions. This is about creating division, creating arguments in comment threads, making people kind of think, hey, what the fuck? That person said this or that person said that. So they then go and listen to the full episodes to try and get the full story. And all of this drives engagement. And in 2024, engagement is currency. Whether or not any given platform has high engagement or not turns into leverage when it comes to sponsorships, when it comes to product placement and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, this is happening. The online wellness space is not about wellness anymore. It's about creating these divisive opinions, polarizing content that drive engagement in order to get people like arguing and talking about what's going on just to create revenue. That's all that's happening on most of these larger platforms. And then we're seeing that spill into smaller platforms that are trying to grow. So you might have noticed in short form content like um, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. There's a whole lot of content that is just built on one person criticizing other people over and over again. And, you know, the entirety or the vast majority of someone's content on any particular page might just be one person hanging shit on another person's videos or other people's videos time after time after time after time. They're not bringing anything new to the table. They're not providing any new experiences or perspectives. They're just talking about other people and saying they're wrong and this is why. And the difficult thing here is that sometimes that's necessary when it comes to calling out absolute melters that are putting out terrible information, but this is becoming a culture. So that's what's going on as far as these larger platforms. And I just wanted to draw your attention to that so you can come correct into that space knowing what's going on. So please don't take things that are said on these large platforms too literally. They're just stirring shit, really. That's all they're doing at this point. There's very little helpful information going around. This platform, Strong Not Starving and MCane Coaching, these things aren't changing. I'm just going to show up here delivering helpful information as best I can, as I always have, 
I'm not going to buy into this stirring the pot bullshit that these kind of larger platforms are doing. Whatever that means for me and this channel, fine. I've survived so far. I will continue to survive. Okay. So yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. But just be super aware of that when you take a stroll through the wellness space. At this point in time, it's more about division and polarization and engagement than it is about providing helpful information. So yeah, those are three big lessons that have come out of the last three years of this podcast. And the other thing that I was going to mention in this episode, I'm going to bring on Erin to introduce the topic. Some instances, and I've definitely had a personal experience of this, the more I eat certain foods, the more I want them. But at the same time, whenever I've said to myself, like, absolutely not, you're not fucking having that. That's just bad news. Never eating it again. Obviously, that doesn't lead to a good place. So how are you finding yourself in that space right now? Like, what are you feeling and thinking? Um, I'm exploring and experimenting with some slight dietary adjustments to help mitigate the intense craving, just to help with the the highs and the lows of the carbohydrates. How's that panning out? I'm not so much going into it going, I can never eat a grain of sugar again. I'm not actually going in with that mindset. I'm going in with the mindset of how best can I set myself up every day knowing that I work in such an incredibly stressful and triggering environment being with cake, how can I best set myself up every day where the cravings are not so intense? So how do we get around this? Because if you've been dieting for a long time, your body and mind is going to flag certain things that aren't restriction as restriction. So you might have experienced this If you've been dieting for a particularly long time or you've just got a history of really restrictive dieting and you try to do something that's just like, okay, I'm going to gently tidy up some food choices. I'm going to make a few more intentional choices. It's like the moment you go to do something like that, these particular alarm bells start going off somewhere inside you and it's like all of a sudden you're in diet mode you know so this is something that's particularly challenging to navigate if we have been dieting uh restrictively for a long period of time so when it comes to the things that we need to consider to uh, break out of this cycle i've got like three primary things firstly we need to rebuild trust between the body and mind Sometimes this involves letting ourselves be imperfect and staying compassionately present with the consequences. We need to allow imperfection and be present with how it feels. This doesn't mean allowing the inner critic to start being an asshole. It means allowing imperfection without judgment and just noticing how you feel in a way that allows you to use that information the next time a similar situation comes up. I can't emphasize enough that this is different to the kind of hypercritical self-flagellation that most of us engage in when we make a, quote, mistake. If we are imperfect and we do label that as a mistake and we do start beating ourselves up for it, 
then that doesn't create the kind of situation that provides us with information that we can then use the next time around because all we're thinking about is the emotional experience of making a mistake and how crap that felt and we get stuck in that cycle of not wanting to make another mistake rather than making decisions based on helpful information that we gained from the last time we made a decision a particular way. So say hypothetically you overate or binged even when it came to something like chocolate, ice cream, whatever it might be, and the overwhelming experience of that is fuck me, I made a mistake, this is terrible, I'm so shit, I fucked up again, oh my god, you know, that emotional experience, that, that's what's going to stay with us, that hypercritical self-flagellation type thing, that's what we're going to remember next time, and we're going to be consumed by just trying not to make a mistake, trying to avoid that emotional experience, we won't be thinking, all right, like, Genuinely, from a calm, objective perspective, how did my body feel after that experience last time? How did I feel really physically and emotionally after making that choice? Is there a way I can do this so that I can still enjoy certain foods and just actually enjoy them and have a better experience? You know, these two pathways are very different. And as long as we stay caught up in that mindset of like, oh my God, I fucking did it again. I made a mistake. We're not putting ourselves in a position to be able to create trust with the body that is the kind of trust that then informs decisions that we can be happy with and that we feel good about later. So this first step, yes, we need to rebuild trust between the body and mind. And that allows us to be able to manage being imperfect without diving into that hypercritical emotional state. This takes practice. And that carries us on to step number two or point number two pretty smoothly. Developing skills around self-soothing is essential. So we want these self-soothing skills available to us so that when we do want to make a decision that might involve a more mindful and less impulsive food choice, we can speak to and soothe and regulate the parts of us that are on the lookout for restriction. If we've been down the road of restrictive dieting forever, or just for a significant period of time, or we've just had a bad experience with restrictive dieting, there are going to be parts of us that are on the lookout for that. And the moment we make a decision that resembles that, those parts of us are going to be like, fuck me, it's happening again. But we need to be able to communicate with ourselves and soothe those parts. We need to practice being able to regulate our own experience, be able to chill ourselves out rather than just distracting from emotion, rather than just distracting ourselves from what we're experiencing. We need to be able to respond to our experiences. This doesn't mean like snapping our fingers and making the difficult experience or the difficult feeling go away. It means being able to respond effectively so we don't dig a deeper hole. So this second step, practicing self-soothing, absolutely essential if we do want to be able to make mindful choices without the parts of us that are on the lookout for restriction, raising false alarms, right? And tip number three, 
include these hyperpalatable foods that are really easy to eat as part of a balanced diet. I know it's boring. I know it's boring and I know I sound like a broken record, but it's so important that we find ways to include these foods, maybe when we're not super hungry. Like a deal that I make with myself that I kind of touched on before is that I don't open a bag of chips if I'm genuinely really hungry because I know exactly what will happen what I do. Now, I allow myself to eat chips on plenty of other occasions, but just not in situations where I know I need something that's actually going to nourish me. This is kind of like how I might treat fizzy drinks, you know, like I'll have them as things to enjoy. But when it comes to being actually thirsty, I'll do my best to drink water first. Now, when it comes to this, there is nuance because I know this is a really boring point. Okay, eat all foods as part of a balanced diet. It's like, Marcus, we know, we know everyone says that all the time, always and forever. But the important thing here is to not kid yourself. Someone who is struggling with consistent and perpetual overeating, maybe a lot of emotional eating and using food to just regulate emotionally throughout the day, someone in in that situation, in that scenario, is going to have a very different experience and need a different approach to someone who has a history of intense restriction and just finds the idea of eating anything at all outside their comfort zone or safe foods to be an extremely challenging experience. So if you take nothing else from this episode, I can promise from the bottom of my heart, the most important thing to know is that there is an entire spectrum of diverse experiences surrounding disordered eating, eating disorders, and body image struggles. And knowing where you are in that universe of different experiences is the most essential thing in determining what steps you need to take in order to free yourself. And one final thing I'd really like to leave you with today. My favorite quote about success came from Keith Richards, of all people, right? When he was asked, what does success mean for the Rolling Stones? Keith said, the opportunity to continue. And that is exactly how I feel about this podcast. So to all of you who support this podcast and to my amazing clients, you are the people who make this possible. You make it possible for me to continue doing this work. And I'm incredibly grateful to be here. Showing up here has been and continues to be one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. And I'm looking forward to continuing this work, becoming the best possible coach and voice in this space. I can promise that there are some great things to come. So stay tuned. And like I said earlier, if you want to say goodbye to binge eating while becoming the fittest, healthiest version of you, reach out to me by following the link in the episode description. My name is Marcus Kane. This was Strong Not Starving. Thank you for helping me get to 100 episodes, and I'll see you next week for episode 101.